0: Before last Sunday, we uh, were looking at what happened after the resurrection of Christ, those 40 days. And, and we, we've already had several sermons in that. and We're going to get back to that. I want you to know that. But uh, last Sunday, as we started looking at Mother's Day, um, the Lord answered some prayers that I had about what to preach on. And um, he gave me the text out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I shared all this with you last week. Uh, about our responsibility as parents and uh, I I just couldn't tear away from that and I want you to know that uh, we're going to get back to what happened after the resurrection because I think that that passage of scripture is so very important but I want us to continue looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9 and about our responsibilities as parents so let's pray and we'll get started okay Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these that give these moments up to hear your word. And Lord, I just pray that they'll not be disappointed. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God might be allowed to speak through the Word of God and that you would truly reveal unto us our responsibilities as Christian parents. And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, we see within ourselves that we do fail you in so many ways, Lord. At least I see that in myself. And I pray, Father, that you would just give us a, an understanding that you want us to have your power as we, as we live as parents and as spouses. And, Lord, I, I just pray that we would just yield ourselves to, to you and let your word fill our hearts and minds. And we would let the divine instruction from the word of God help us, Lord to be the Christ-like parents that we should be. Father, speak to every heart this morning, and I just pray again, Father, that you'll be lifted high today. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow as we read these words again in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now, this is a commandment, the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. I love the way Moses expresses himself. He's saying, look, what I'm about to tell you, this is what God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land of which you're going to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of our fathers, has promised you and a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, obviously, verse 7 is the focal verse. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Folks, God does speak to the people of Israel back in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and to you and me about our role as parents and our parental responsibility. And, folks, I want to point something out. You and I are prone and tempted to believe that because the words in Deuteronomy were written thousands of years ago that they no longer have any meaning or relevance to our day. But, folks, remember the living nature of the Word of God, that the Word of God is alive. It will speak to our hearts. It will speak to our lives if we listen And again here, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. God places responsibility upon you and I as parents that we would share God's word and God's love and God's plan of salvation with our children. But, folks, before you and I can be the right type of women, wives, mothers, or grandmothers, or the right type of men, husbands, fathers, and grandfathers, you and I must be right in our relationship with God. You and I cannot take the Lord Jesus to our children until we are in right relationship with Him. So look at God's instructions to Israel and to you and I found in Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. Now, we went over these last week, but I want to go over them again, okay? Look at this on the overhead. God's instructions to Israel and every generation of followers. Number one, we are to fear the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. Now, that's just a neat way of saying your entire family. What is is second? Obey the Lord. And, folks, I didn't really think about this until this morning, that before you and I can truly obey the Lord, we must first fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord leads to obeying the Lord. So, number 2, Deuteronomy 6, 2, by keeping its statutes and commandments, verse 3, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. But, folks, let's carry this a little bit farther. Hear these words from Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So listen to what the Lord is saying. Love of the Lord leads us to obey the Lord. And look at also these verses in John 14, 21 to 24. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if a man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And look at this next phrase. Look at this. And we will come to him and make our home with him. I want you just to store this away. and." And the back part of your mind, because uh, hopefully we're going to get far enough to talk about this, but listen to what Jesus said, "If you keep my word, my Father will love you, and we will come, and we will make our home with you. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. The third thing that uh, Moses says as as Being in right relationship with God, we are to have no other gods but the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then Deuteronomy 6, 5, the fourth thing, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And folks, I don't think it is accidental that the Spirit of God and God himself led Moses to say these first four things before he said the fifth one. The fifth thing that God instructs Moses to tell the people, after you and I are in right relationship and walk with them, after his word is upon our heart, then, verse 7, we can teach diligently to our children. Folks, that is the key, being in right relationship with God. Well, how seriously should you and I take this command to teach our children? Well, first of all, last Sunday, we found out that in Scripture, the first people who taught children about God were who? It was not the church. It was not the school. It was not some other group. It was the parents. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel worshipped God, and surely they got that from their parents. And secondly, as history developed, the nation of Israel began to worship God as a nation. Folks, you and I have lost, I believe this, in the United States. We've become so politically correct that we, we just allow room for every God. Now, folks, I'm not saying that people shouldn't have freedom to talk about other religions, but, folks, as a Christian nation, have we lost that responsibility? And a third thing, can one person make a difference? One mother, one father, one child? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Last Sunday as I was closing, I told you about uh, the sign in South Boston in front of the church that said, The Mother's Heart is a Children's Classroom. Well, folks, let's get started this morning, okay? Why, why is the book of, of Deuteronomy so important? And, and I don't know how often you read in that book, um, but Israel has just finished their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and they're getting ready to enter the promised land. The name Deuteronomy means second law. For the second time the Ten Commandments are given in these books of Moses. And if you've got your Bible open, if you'll turn back to chapter 5 in verses 1 to 21, God's again speaking to the people saying, this is what I expect of you. We need to understand that God had made a covenant with the people, and here again he is reaffirming. It's like... uh, Uh, renewing your vows. God is telling the people after they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and folks, I want to tell you, if they had not been so hard-headed, they would not have had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Every time God tried to teach them something, they rebelled against him, and it just took longer and longer and longer. And if you're a Bible student, you know that Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land because he blew it himself. And God said, I'm not going to let you enter into the promised land. Many of the older adults were not able to go into the promised land because they had sinned against God. And God said, Your generation will go into the promised land, but you will not because of your rebellion against me. But folks... I'm not talking here about the raft and judgment of God, but about God's continuing to love the people of Israel. So he is re, uh, renewing his covenant with them. He has appointed a new leader, Joshua. But folks, there's some very important verses that you and I need to look at in chapter 5. And I, I hope, again, if you've got your Bible, I, these are going to be on the overhead, okay? But in... and and in Deuteronomy chapter five, beginning with verse twenty two. Now let me say this. Our first responsibility as Christian parents is to what? Deuteronomy six two is to fear the Lord. Is to fear the Lord. I want to ask you something before you go any farther. How much do we fear the Lord in our day and time? In our daily living, how much do we fear the Lord? We just listen to these these verses of Scripture in Deuteronomy 5, and I hope, again, I'm going to be able to tie all this together, okay, by the Spirit of God. Remember, chapter 5, verses 1 to 21, the Ten Commandments have been given again. And listen to this. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain, listen to how God spoke, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added, no more. And he wrote them upon two tablets of stone and gave them to me. All right, that's how you got the Ten Commandments. All right, from God, God wrote them on stone, gave them to Moses. And when you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of the tribes and your elders. And you said, listen to what the people say about their God. Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have this day seen God speak with man, and man still live. Listen to what they say. They've heard the voice of God. They've seen God actually speak to mankind, and they didn't die. Verse 25, Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we fear, if we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall die. This is how fearful they are of God. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of fire as we have and has still lived? Folks, can you tell that they took hearing from God in a very, very serious way? So look at, uh, look at verse 27. And I can't help but laugh at this. These people are saying, listen, uh, we don't want to go into the presence of God anymore. And so you know what they do? They volunteer Moses. <laughs> they say, Moses, look. We're scared to go before the presence of God, so you go. You know what they're saying? If anybody's going to die, if anybody's going to die, let Moses die. We're not going to die, all right? Verse 27, go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you. They're saying, Moses, you listen to God, then you tell us. But look what they say, that last phrase, and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me. Moses is quoting what God said to him. I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken you. They have rightly said all that they have spoken. Listen to verse 29. God is speaking. Oh, that they had such a mind as this always. This is God's desire for his people. To fear me, to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them, and with their children forever. Now, folks, let me recap quickly what's happening in chapter 5. In verse 4, God spoke face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire. There's no doubt in these people's mind that God is real and that God has a plan for them as a nation. In verse 5, Moses stands between the Lord and the people for they are afraid. In verse 24, the people confess, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and greatness. We have heard His voice out of the midst of the fire. We have this day seen God speak with man and still live. And in verses 25 and 26, because of this, the greatness of God, they sense their sinfulness and their smallness in God's sight. And they think that they're going to die. If God comes in their midst again, so they volunteer Moses, go near, hear all that the Lord will say to you. And then they say, and you tell us what God commands. And this is what they say to Moses. When God commands you something, you tell us, we will hear and we will do it. The people pledge to obey the commands of the Lord. But now listen to God's response and desire for his people. Oh, that they had such a mind as to always fear me and keep my commandments. Folks, listen. God promises that as the people fear him and obey his commandment, that he'll not only bless them, but he'll bless every generation who fears him. Folks, think about this for just a minute. Perhaps greatness is leaving our nation because we no longer fear God. Greatness, I believe, will only be restored to our nation when we turn back to God. That's another sermon. But here's where we're headed. What does fear the Lord mean? Does fear the Lord mean that we walk around expecting that if we don't uh, do right, God will cause some terrible thing to happen to us? now let me ask you when you think about fearing god is that the first thing you think about well if i don't do something god's way he's just going to strike me down this what i'm about to tell you is a true story there was a young man that was raised in a christian home he got a job driving a truck delivering beer this upset his mother greatly because she um wanted her children raised in a christian home and uh She was opposed to drinking and selling alcoholic beverages. And so she began to plead with her son day after day to take another job. In mockery, he said, Is God going to strike me down because I drive a beer truck? And basically mocked his mother. Years went by. One perk of driving the beer truck was to be given a daily supply of beer. And over the years, the man became an alcoholic. It destroyed his liver, and doctors told him he would die if he didn't stop drinking. And they began to run tests in preparation to place him on a liver transplant list. Folks, listen to this. All during this time, God was working in this young man's, now middle-aged man's, life in love, not judgment. In the last two years, that man has become a Christian. And God not only gave him a new heart, but he gave regeneration to his liver. And I know that this story is true because this man is my brother-in-law, David's brother. And as I was reading about fearing God, folks, to fear God does not mean that we're worried that he's going to strike us down. To fear God means that we recognize that we'll make a mess out of our lives. I'm not just talking about drinking beer, driving a beer truck. That's not my point. Anytime we try and take control of our lives and we try and say, God, I can do it without you, we're headed down a path of destruction. And we are truly living in a society that is developing an attitude of no fear. Has that not been one of the slogans lately? And if, I'm not trying to offend you if you got fear this or no fear on your truck or on your vehicle, but can't you remember? I've even walked around and show people my muscle and say, I don't fear anybody. Folks, listen. There is something that is so healthy about a fear of God, but in our day, it doesn't seem as if we fear God. And let me give you two illustrations to prove that. First of all, We're living in an age when we feel like that we can live any way we want to and we don't have to give any accountability to God. Folks, that's from the devil. That's not from God. But even make it worse, many of us who are Christians, and I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. Many of us, even as Christians, have gotten to the point where we think that we can live any way we want to as a Christian. We don't have to fear God. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We've got a place reserved for us in heaven. Uh, God has prepared a place for us there. What is taught in Scripture about fear of the Lord? Let me share with you a devotional that I read a couple of weeks ago, and it was about a healthy fear of the Lord. Have you ever thought about anything being healthy about fearing? I want to tell you it is a healthy thing to fear God. But a healthy fear of the Lord has at least three elements. Number one, fearing God means that we acknowledge that he is our creator and we show him the reverence he deserves. I want you to just mull that over in your mind for just a second. Is there not in our world an effort to push God completely out of the picture? We're here by evolution We're here by some cosmic big bang or accident. There's not a supreme being that had anything to do with our creation and our daily lives. When we fear God, we acknowledge that he is our creator and we show him the reverence that he deserves. You know, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, one of the reasons that God wanted people to fear him is because to acknowledge that he is the one who deserves our worship. The forefathers of those people had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, and God never forgot about them. God promised, I will send you a deliverer, and God did. God has blessed us so much. Not simply as a nation, but God has blessed us as individuals. To fear him means that we put him in proper perspective, that what we have, who we are, where we're headed is because of him. And we fear him out of reverence, reverence to him. A second reason that fear the Lord is healthy is it acknowledges that he is our Savior. And we fear him out of love for him and his finished work of redemption and salvation for us. You know, we treat the Ten Commandments, and and, and look, folks, we're not just under the Ten Commandments, but we are to model Christ in our world. But folks, everything that we do in obedience for the Lord should come because of our reverence for him, for his love for us. The Lord Jesus has done something for you and I that we couldn't do for ourselves, and that is wash our sin away. For some of us, we, we become so arrogant and we think that we deserve so much. We don't deserve anything but hell. But through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are adopted into the family of God. A place has been prepared for us in heaven and we shall eternally live with him. And so this fear of the Lord comes out of our love and respect for him. And a final fear that is healthy in our relationship with God is the fear of accountability. One day we will stand before him, whether we're a lost person or a Christian. Listen to what Romans fourteen eleven and 12 says. This will be on the overhead. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. I want to tell you, that, that verse, when you begin to think about it, and, of course, Paul is, is quoting out of Isaiah 45, 23, that we're going we're gonna to read in just a second. Folks, one day every knee will bow before God. We might not want to do it in this lifetime. We might not want to acknowledge who he is, but, folks, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. It's going to f- confess that about Jesus, too. That's according to Paul in Philippians 2. But listen to verse 12. So each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Folks, every single one of us one day is going to stand before God. And that is quoted out of Isaiah 45, 23. Let me read that verse to you. God in the Old Testament says through Isaiah, For by myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. You know what that means? If God says it is going to happen. To me, God says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Now, he ain't talking about bad words, all right? But will declare that he is God. Well, folks, again, this fear is a reverential fear. And again, folks, this is what God says. Not me. This is what God says. Give me just a couple more minutes. But, folks, the second instruction in Deuteronomy 6 is found in the last part of verse 2 and verse 3. After we begin to fear the Lord, we obey the Lord. Folks, I'd never noticed it again until this morning. Before you and I will want to obey the Lord, we must first fear the Lord. Does that not make sense? Do we need to obey anybody that we really don't fear and feel accountability to? But listen again to what God says through Moses. By keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. Now, that answers two questions. Which which commandments are we to obey? Well, God says all his statutes and commandments. How long am I to do this? All the days of your life. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Folks, what is all this about? It's time to to close. What is all this about? The main point of all of this is before that generation can lead their children in an understanding of God... They must be right with God themselves. And, folks, you and I can stand around all day long and belittle and accuse and put down younger people because of their rebellion against parental authority, because of what they're doing, because of many things that are going on in the world. But, folks, have you and I, as adults, have you and I, as as parents, have we modeled Jesus Christ? before them. And folks, this is a big role to play. I think about grandparents, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a grandparent now. But folks, there's never going to be a day in which we're not influencing the younger generation. We need to do it right. We need to teach them the things about God. It's got to start with us. What are our parents responsibilities fear the lord obey the lord and we'll study the other one soon let's pray together father i pray that your word would speak to us lord it is tough being parents and you you know our struggles we become so discouraged sometimes because the world just seems like it doesn't care anymore about god and about his word, and about living for him. But Father, as we talked earlier in children's moments, a light set on a hill cannot be hid. And if the light of Jesus Christ is truly burning in us, and shining forth in us, it's not only going to affect our children and grandchildren, but all who come in contact with us. Father, help us to take serious these words that we are to fear you out of reverence and love and we are to obey you. And I just pray, Father, that you will help that truly to be a reality in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.